Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of The Intelligent Moron with Alex Silva. The first episode of 2024. 2024. Man, I can't believe that it's already 2024. It sure doesn't feel like it to me. It doesn't feel like we've actually entered into a new year. Probably because, for me, New Year's is not really as monumental or as an important of a holiday that it is to, I guess, other people, I guess. I mean, there's like certain people out there that I think that New Year's is probably like their thing, their number one thing, and that they're so into it. You know, they throw parties, they have people over, they do, you know, festivities or have festivities, and me, not so much. Not as much as I, I used to do when I was younger. When I would go to my grandmother's house and we would like have like a get together gathering. Now that she has passed on, we haven't done that as much. And she passed on a while ago, so it hasn't it's not like it's like super recently, but ever since then hasn't really been much of a holiday. I mean, even till now, you know, I've I've had like people over like maybe a couple times when it comes to New Year's to ring in the New Year. But this year we were all like pretty chill with just like, you know, being in our own place and doing it with our own families and stuff. You know, small little get together, nothing much. You know, just kinda say, boom, happy new year, then go to bed, you know, right after. Um it's not like it's not like Christmas. You know, Christmas you could, you know, wait till midnight and then you can um do the next day is like full of Christmas festivities, you know, going to other people's houses, opening up presents, maybe going to the movies, going to maybe see a parade or something like that. That's like, you know, more in line of, you know, a full day extravaganza whereas for me, New Year's Eve is just like boom, happy new year. And then that's it. At least that's just what I feel, right? That's how I feel. I think that's how a lot of people might feel as they get older. You know, maybe you're at a point in your life where you're like, yeah, it's a cool little holiday. It's a cool little thing, but it's nothing too major. Um, also, the fact that it went by so fast yet again, just like Christmas, yeah, it was, you know, kind of here and there. Within the blink of an eye, it was gone. And then here we are, back now in... 2024 man could you imagine already 2024 let's talk about like some of the the monumental years that we have um experienced in the 21st century well i guess one of the biggest ones was y2k right right the year 2000 and that happened um that was a big year i was only like about maybe five or six no i was seven when that happened and uh, I don't remember too much of that. I do remember 2010. That was that was a pretty cool change, pretty cool yearly change when we went to the 2010s. That was exciting. 2020 was another big one. I remember that one too. I remember when that, you know, that was like a, a, a new decade awaits, you know, a new decade, a new era of time, the 2020s, the roaring 20s, right? And of course... 
that we're not in the roaring 20s, but, you know, we can only hope, like, oh, what if it was, you know, just like back then when it was good and everything was great, and then we got hit with uh, COVID-19, and then boom, it all went to shit, right? That was, that ended up, ended up not being a very good year, but can you imagine? It's been four years since that happened, four years since there was rumblings overseas of this uh, dangerous virus coming over. It's been four years. Maybe even more. I think, I think people were talking about it in 2019, um, before you know it blew up in 2020, before it became a worldwide pandemic in 2020. People were talking about that in the in 2019, before the, before the turn of the decade. So, a lot has happened. You know, you guys remember 2012, right? When we were supposed to die, we were all supposed to be. There was supposed to be a mass extinction. Because the Mayan calendar ended in 2012. Now, I was one of those people back then that was most likely saying that that ain't going to happen. But I would be lying if I was also just say, I didn't watch closely, watch the clock closely on that New Year's Eve from 2011 to 2012 to make sure we all didn't go kaputs the moment it hit midnight, right? And I was even thinking to myself, like, all right, it's already New Year in Japan. We cool, right? It wouldn't just wait for Pacific time in the United States to end the world, would it? It would start, like, you know, as soon as 2012 hit. I have nothing to worry about. And, you know, it was it was a big, it was all a big, um, uh, you know, just a big, I don't know, we made it up. We made it up. You know, the Mayans just ran out of room on their calendar, and we made it a whole big thing that, oh, the world's going to end in 2012. They even made a movie called 2012 about the world ending in 2012. Crazy. Now, I can't remember much of the movie. I don't, I think I watched it maybe, maybe once all the way through. And then after that, I just seen bits and pieces on TV, but I'm pretty sure, I don't know if like the movie takes place on New Year's Eve. Or on the New Year's Day when it becomes 2012. I'm not too sure. I can't remember. But I do remember waiting throughout that entire year. And like being like, hey, we didn't end. The world didn't go boom. You know, there was no major earthquake. We're completely fine. Thinking to myself like, damn. They played us. They had us going. And everyone thought that we were all going to die. People thought we were all going to die. And now, 12 years later... We are still here. We're still kicking. And um, a lot of stuff has happened. You know, a lot of things happen in the new year, including New Year's resolutions, New Year's aspirations. And um, I guess for me, some of the ones that are, you know, pretty consistent with me that haven't and are not going to change are um, losing weight still, focusing on health, you know, continuing to lose weight I'm at, I think, 215 pounds at the moment. I have lost 20 since I began um, losing weight, since I began working out, and I want to continue to lose more. Um, so that's always a goal. I think that's always a, a good goal for everybody, and it it pretty much is everyone's goal or everyone's resolution is to lose weight in a new year, which I think is very, very good. I think people need to lose weight 
And, you know, I think the best way to do it is by dieting and exercising. I do. I see all these crazy, you know, uh, 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 commercials for like these diet pills, diet injections that, that, that make people lose weight at a crazy rate, like, you know, Ozempic and all that. And I always think to myself, like, dude, that is crazily unnatural, a crazily unnatural way to lose weight. Like, it's insane. Unbelievable. Like, I don't even know, like, first of all, like, I've never been on one of these programs. I never had a diet pill. I've never had a diet injection, right? I've never had that in my life. I wonder, is this pill, is this injection, like injecting nutrients into your body so you kind of feel like you're you're satisfied and that you're alive and you don't need to eat food? Or is it like a mind trick where it is like a, a hormone or like a protein or something that they inject into you or you take from a pill that makes your brain think that you have eaten. Therefore, you don't eat. I don't know. I'm not too sure. I'm more leaning on to, you know, it being a brain pill because a lot of pills, at least like painkillers, are all brain pills. They just kind of like trick your brain to thinking that you're not really in pain when you are in pain, right? Kind of weird. I've always marveled at modern medicine on how like crazy it is and how how crazily efficiently most of it works, like Tylenol, right? Or ibuprofen. You can take an ibuprofen when you got the flu with um, a fever, some body aches, And about 90% of those effects would subside for about six hours. It's pretty incredible, right? Like, there's no way that we thought that, like, 200 years ago, we would be able to, like, essentially take away those symptoms for a period of the day with a pill that you swallow. Like, it's, it's, it's almost incredible to think about it, right? But we have invented that. So, if I were to, if I were to, you know, put a guess on like what Ozempic, how it works, it probably is going to be like a, a brain thing where it tricks your brain or your stomach or whatever into thinking that you've eaten and that you're full of chow when you're really not. I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm zoning in on. I don't really know if that's true, but it could be. I don't know. While I was speaking... My phone, not my phone, my watch was listening to me. And this is a real-time, real-time experience. My phone straight up looked up what ibuprofen was because it was listening to what I was saying. Now, I don't know if that's because I was speaking in a way where I thought that I was wondering what... It was supposed to do. Now, I didn't read fully what it was on my watch. I just kind of swiped it away. But the fact that my watch unwillingly looked up what ibuprofen was is insane to me. Now, 
Usually it happens when I bring the watch up to my face because I have an Apple watch and it activates primarily when you look at it normally like how you look how you tell time on a watch you're like Ooh, that's the time right that was strange I have to admit that that kind of freaked me out it's already a few days into 2024 and I'm already being freaked out by my technology already being freaked out but back to losing weight in Ozempic I think that the best way that you can lose weight is diet and exercise. Diet and exercise, in my opinion, make you feel the best. Because I've tried in the past to just eat better. There's one year when I when I began an all-fiber diet, right? I did an all-fiber diet, just fiber, fiber, fiber. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Snacks too, fiber right? And it's not enough to eat healthy and that's it. And no exercise. It's not enough. You get to a point in your life where you need to burn calories by moving, by exercising. It's got to be done. has to be. There's no, there is no other way to do it. Eating good can only get you so far, I think, mentally too. Because if you don't eat well, and you begin to eat well, like, like you start eating well, and you're, you're cutting down calories, and you know, you're watching what you eat, eating the right things, getting away from the bad things, and you don't exercise, for me, I found it a lot tougher to keep that regimen going without exercising. When you exercise, like I do now, and I eat relatively better, I eat relatively less than what I used to, you kind of give yourself a little bit of room to have a little bit of fun and allow yourself to get a little nuts here and there. Now, I push myself pretty hard when I work out. I do. I sweat quite a bit. I'm in there for about an hour. Weights, treadmill, the whole shebang. I, 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 I do do, you know, a lot of treadmill. I do more treadmill than I do weights. But when I do treadmill, I mean, I'm, I'm miserable. I, I am pouring sweat. Like I told you before, I'm doing like an incline walk, pretty steep, pretty quick, not as slow as I used to for much longer than like 45 minutes, right? So I'm on the treadmill for a while, suffering. But I know in the end that maybe I could have a little bit of extra chow tonight. Maybe a little bit more of this and not totally hate myself because I'm having, you know, something that I probably wouldn't be able to have if all I did was eat better. It's like a yin and a yang. You got to eat well, eat pretty decent, but push yourself very, very hard when you work out. And then it's like an, it's like an equal balance of feeling good. The feeling good of working out and exercising well and also the feeling good of eating pretty decent and having maybe a little bit of junk food here and there throughout the day. It's like a, like I said, the both ways of feeling good in in one day. And I think if you don't exercise and you just eat healthy, it makes it tougher on you to lose weight, see results, 
and just the overall happiness of your life. I really do think so. I was miserable when all I did was eat healthy for a short stretch of time. Like I was just miserable because I knew this is all I could do. This is all I did. This is when I was super unmotivated, unmotivated to exercise, like very, very, very unmotivated to exercise. I didn't want to do it. Didn't want to. Didn't want to get back out there. Just said like, you know, I could just eat better now. Maybe I'll lose some pounds. Maybe I'll be a little bit healthier. Maybe I'll, you know, if I eat a salad here and there, I'll cure whatever I have wrong with me. Hmm. That's not really the case. You know, just because you eat a salad doesn't mean you're now um, super or you're going to be healthy throughout the entire day or feel good throughout the entire day. You know, you got to you got to push yourself. You got to sweat some. You got to get that heart rate going. You got to burn some calories. And I feel like if you're going to, you know, do a New Year's resolution, which I think you should, and I think you should do diet and exercise. I think it would benefit so many people out there to do both of those. You probably don't need to go super crazy on the diet, but I do think that you should go super crazy when you work out. Because it just feels better. You just feel better. Physical challenges. Physical endurance. And physical uh, pushing yourself physically. I think is like one of the best things that any person could do right now. For your mentals and for your body. Give yourself an actual challenge. Push yourself. Push your body. You know, comfortably of course. Don't overdo it. But still push yourself. You know. Add more every week. Get stronger. You know, New Year's resolution. Get stronger. You know, why not? You can buy a weight for like 10 bucks. Kettlebell, I don't know, not too much. Get stronger. Do some push-ups. Maybe go outside and walk. I don't know. There's so many things that you can do to get stronger and to better yourself, man. It's crazy. Another thing that I was going to, you know, for my New Year's resolution was to just lock in. Just lock in in everything. I'm locking it in in 2024. I'm locking it in. Physicality, work, play. Dear God, I need to I need to lock in when it's when it's playtime. I I I have not been able to lock in when it has been playtime. I'm talking about Call of Duty. These past few days of the new year in Call of Duty for me have been terrible. If you guys don't know, I play a lot of Warzone with my friends. A ton of Warzone. That's just that's what we've been playing since it came out. We've been addicted to Warzone in the new Call of Duty. And I have been trying recently to, to just lock in and, and, and get wins. It hasn't been easy. It truly has not been easy. But... The past few days, I've had like a pretty, pretty rough patch of me just not performing very well when it comes to locking in and Call of Duty and playing well. And it's been mentally killing me how bad that I have been performing. And you know what? This was my New Year's resolution, so I need to find a way to get better when it comes to Call of Duty and truly locking in. Locking it in. I think that locking in also has become a phrase that is a good one. A good phrase because 
like I said, locking in when it comes to Call of Duty is one thing, but locking in when it comes to being physical and exercising is also another good thing too. Locking in also in your profession, your job, right? That's good. That's a good thing too. Locking into your friends, locking into your family, your relationships, you know, just locking in 100%, no half-ass, right? Lock in and let's go. So I think overall, my uh, my uh, my my overall New Year's res- resolution is to lock in in 2024, and I believe that I can do it. However, there's already one that I failed. I have already failed one of my New Year's resolutions, and that was to drink booze every day. I had a glass of whiskey. Um, you know, on New Year's Day, celebratory, right? New Year, new me, drink booze every day. Since then, I haven't had any booze. So I've already, guess, fallen off, you know, my New Year's resolution. I've already failed. And, well, I guess I could, you know, try to do it, try to keep going. But let's be honest, I already failed. I already failed that resolution to drink booze every day. So... Oh well, I guess we'll try next year. Um, but yeah, that was that was something that was kind of last minute. Like, you know what? I'm gonna drink every day. Every day I'm gonna have booze, and I failed. So shame on me. I know. I know. I gotta be better. I gotta have more discipline. But you know, we always got next year, right? We always got next year. But the main one, the main resolution, of course, you know, is locking in. Lock in in 2024. I guess what was, you know, also quite the rude awakening, I ain't gonna lie, was, you know, always kind of like strange to think about, strange to hear, you know, always crazy. But the new year happened, and before that, there was like a massive, at least, you know, on the, on the, on the timeline of my ex, right? Scrolling through X, you know, New Year, New Year happened at midnight, and I was scroll scrolling through X, and just like right before, <laughs> apparently Japan was hit with a massive earthquake, and I was thinking to myself like, oh my god, what a horrible way to start the new year. I'm just thinking about like, I'm pretty sure like every new year, like every January first, kind of starts off. With a disaster or someone dying or something bad happening. And, you know, the earthquake in Japan, the earthquake in L.A. that same day. Like that, I mean, you can't write this stuff. I mean, I straight up could not believe that there was an earthquake that big in Japan. And it was so big that there were tsunami like warnings as soon as it happened like get away from the beach get away from the coast you know it it totally like was just like dude i don't think it made me think pretty sure we haven't had like a a new year open with a not a bad thing right it's there's always like a bad thing that happens on new year's day that's like oh look at this we're already off to a good start and it never fails. I'm pretty sure there's been like a few earthquakes that happened on January 1st and like major deaths and maybe like 
some other bad things that happened, but like it just kind of brought back memories of like I'm pretty sure, and I don't think that this is, yeah, I think that this is true that there has not been like a new year, or there hasn't been something that that bad has happened, and I don't know if it's like you know, with things like it's just bad timing, or it's just like a thing that's like a superstition, like it's just gonna happen, like there's something bad that's always gonna happen, whether it be like a disaster. Or a killing or whatever, or someone passing away. <clears throat> it's always something that, you know, needs to, always seems to happen at the right, right time. Um, I also kind of went with a new look though, for, uh, the new year. Now people haven't, if people who haven't seen me or haven't, or listened to this and haven't seen me, you know, in a while since then, since last year, I, um, I decided to go with a different approach to my appearance. Um, I haven't done this in quite a while, but, you know, being at the new year, I thought, you know, why not, you know, change it up a bit. So, I went with a mustache. Only mustache right now. And I, you know, not, not like clean shaven on my face, but just like, um, buzzed my face, trimmed my face pretty much all the way down. And then just kept the mustache. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Uh, if I can pull it off or not. I don't know. And the inspiration was like uh, Burt Reynolds, uh, Dr. Disrespect, Chris Pratt. Those cool guys. Uh, that was kind of like the inspiration for this uh, this new look. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens in 2024. If people dig it or not. But that's what I'm rocking right now on my face. I know I should probably have a camera by now set up. But I don't. Unfortunately, I'm still... You know, I don't got the best studio space, so a camera right now is really not the 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 biggest priority of this of this show. Um, maybe you know, maybe twenty twenty four brings in uh, new opportunities, new equipment, new equipment, and um, better studio space. But we'll see. You know, we'll see in the in the future of where this show takes us. Um, I also, you know, I kind of I didn't really want to uh, mention it too much. But I think that at this point in the show, you can kind of tell my voice is kind of shit right now. I don't know if I'm getting under the weather, if I'm getting like a little bit like a little sicky wicky, if um, something's going around, what? Um, But I feel fine. I don't feel bad. But I am getting a little bit of gunk in my throat. And usually when that happens, that means I'm getting a little ill. So hopefully what I'm going to do is tonight I'm going to take emergency, I'm going to take some cold and sinus, I'm going to go to bed early, and I'm going to rest up and try to fight whatever is inside of me and get it out of here. Because I am not a person, and you guys might know this, I'm not someone who enjoys being sick. I think that being sick is one of the worst things that can happen to anybody, any person. Being sick is terrible. You don't want to be sick. No one likes being sick. No one likes the symptoms. No one likes how you feel. No one likes how long it takes for you, someone to get better. No one likes it. It's not something that people like. It's It sucks. It's depressing. The fact that I opened up the new year, 2024 a few days in feeling under the weather I mean it's unbelievable like what have I done to deserve this 
I pretty much went through that uh, throughout the entire holiday season without feeling sick, and you're gonna tell me that I'm 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 getting ill, I'm under the weather, that I need to take medicine. It's not good. It's not something that I want to hear. But then again, I mean, it's kind of expected, right? I mean, you know, being around people, friends and family and stuff like that, you know, being out, it does happen. You know, you're not immune, right? As much as I like to think to myself that I am pretty much immune to all these sicknesses and symptoms, I'm not, right? I'm just a normal, normal man. I'm only one man. And I got to tell you, the worst thing about feeling sick or about being sick, I think, is what is happening now, right? The changing of the voice, the changing of the the pitch of your voice is, oh, I, I hate it so much. Number one, it sucks when you're a podcaster because there's no hiding it. You can't do anything about it, right? You're going to sound sick. You're going to sound like shit. And it's not going to be good. It's going to be terrible. And there's nothing really much I could do about it. Number two, besides being a podcaster and sounding sick, is being in public and sounding sick. Being right at the workplace and sounding sick. Having to talk to people and sounding sick. Because they immediately think... They're like, are you sick? And it's like, oh, God, that is so annoying. It's so annoying because, like I said, there's no way to hide it. You can't be like, pretend like I'm talking like this on purpose because I'm weird. Like, no, that's not going to happen. No one's going to say that. No one's going to be purposely talking in that way to someone else. You're just not going to do it. It, it that, that would be so silly for you to do that. Nobody in a in right headspace would be talking in a weird pitch. First of all, you probably couldn't do it for that long without like trying very, very hard and making it like super noticeable. Unless you're like a big time actor, in which case, congratulations, you should be an actor somewhere. But like, you're not going to talk like funny like that all day just because you think it's funny. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm feeling a little under the weather. It's a little mild. It's mainly in my voice, and I had a sniffle a few times today, so that ain't great. I got to tell you, it's not a good feeling, but hopefully I can prevail from this uh, horrible, horrible feeling. You know, as you know, I was talking earlier about gaming with my friends, playing a lot of Call of Duty. Not only do we play Call of Duty, but we like to chit-chat a lot. We chit-chat about a lot of things. We game, and this past weekend, over the New Year's weekend, we were gaming, you know, we were playing COD, and the conversation came about, right? A conversation I think that, you know, I am very one-sided on, and my friends, most of them, are on the other side, and that is the fact that I do not give a damn about Halo 3. ODST. If you don't know what that is, let me give you a little bit of a um, of a rundown of what it is. So Bungie, back in the day, 
after they made Halo 3. Y'all know Halo, Master Chief, Spartan, the green guy, the super soldier, the hero of humanity, the hero that you play. After that game concluded, the story of those that trilogy concluded, Bungie had an idea for you to play in the universe of Halo, in the same conflict as that is in Halo 1, 2, and 3, following the Master Chief, you will be playing as a human being, an ODST, Orbital Drop Shock Trooper, right? A normal dude in the same universe, fighting the Covenant, just like, you know, a few clicks away from where Chief is fighting, and throughout the, you know, the, the time period between like Halo 2 and 3, I think, something like that. I don't know the exact details Someone I know probably does, actually he does know, um, but he's not here right now. But essentially, you're playing as a ODST um, unit in this game, or you eventually get to that point. However, um, and I'm going to spoil it because I don't care, right? This game's been out for decades. Um, You can play it, close to decades. Um, So you play as these ODST guys, right? And, you know... At this point, we don't really know too much before this game is released. Like, how different is it going to actually be? Like, because when you play Halo for the first time, there's um, some very, you know, there's some things that are in it that make it distinctively Halo, right? Your your guy, Master Chief, has shields plus health, right? There's, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's put out, pointed out to you that you have a shield that regenerates, but you also have health in, in a way that, so it's like your shields are down, but you can still take some bullets, you know, and then, and then if you take too much after that, you die, right? That was a mechanic in that game that kind of made it stand out, that made you kind of like pay more attention to your health, Whereas Call of Duty, back then, there was no health bar. You didn't know how much health you had or how much you were taking, so you kind of had a guess between how, just based on how much blood was on the screen. Um, in this one, this game, ODST, like I said, you're a normal dude. You're just a normal guy. Just a super, just a, a special operative soldier in the Halo universe. And it was marketed as you know your guys are jumping in hell first into battle and the 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 trailers were so sick they were so cool it was like you're landing in a very very hot war zone you know fighting up you know against all odds to defeat the covenant the cool perspective is that you're actually humans and that you have a chance and that you you know you can fight for your own you can stand up to your own on your own you don't need master chief to help you out and it was such a cool premise. And it was, for me, the actual game was one of the most disappointing games that I've ever played in my entire life. Because of the fact that the beginning of the game is just your ODST guy landing in an abandoned city trying to find his ODST squad and it taking so much time to get to that point that when you're playing that first mission you're sneaking around being stealthy in a halo game absolutely not i'm sorry but that is not what first of all what halo is second of all what it was marketed as 
whatsoever. When I wanted to play ODST, I was playing it because it looked like you were going to be fighting head-on with these bad guys right from the jump. And yet you do, but not in the epic way that they show you in the trailers. I thought we were going to get something more like along the lines of that than what we got from the beginning of this game. This horseshit game. And the story is so boring. The characters, I think, are so dull. And there was really, like, no, in my opinion, reason to go back and play it. I mean, it's it's mainly a filler um, game. The game is mainly filler. It's a cool perspective. I just felt like it was kind of mismarketed in a way where it's like, oh, like it's not as epic as what these trailers are making it out to be. It's kind of, it's kind of weak. It's more on the weaker side of what they were trying to, um, I guess what, what they were marketing in the first place, if I'm being completely honest. And I was so, you know, on one side, and my friends were so on the other side. And they they love that game. They simp for it all the time. They're like, ODST is one of the best games. The ODST are so cool. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, did you not play the first three games where you were literally, like, the coolest guy to ever grace video games? You were Master Chief, and you want to play as these ODST over Master Chief? I don't understand, like, what... In what way do you think that that ODSTs are cooler than the Spartans? Yeah, of course. Okay, sure they're they're normal dudes, right? But it it would have been it would have been a cool game if it actually lived up to what it was promoted as. It was promoted as like this this unified squad and, and going into battles together, like you know, and, and wrecking shit. And you do that, but it takes a while. It's just like. It's so weakly done too. Like it, it it's like a, it's it, the, the first impressions are just like, ugh, this is boring. Why are we not as a unit? And I understand like the the game kind of takes its turns and saying like, it throws you away from your team. You got to come back and unify, and it's cool. It's got a cool build up and a cool climax. But I just feel like it was so weak throughout that it's just like, ugh, I I, I don't uh, I don't care, I don't care, um. But yeah, I, I totally, you know, as much as people think that, you know, that game is good, it's not good. It's it, it it was essentially like Microsoft wanted Bungie to develop another Halo game. And Bungie was like, yo, we don't got nothing right now. Like, what do you want us to make? They're like, well, make a game that's similar to Halo 3 and is cool as well. Like, oh, well, we got these guys that are, you know, Marines, technically, but they're, like, more of, like, special ops Marines. We can make it off these guys. It looked pretty cool, too. Like, all right, go ahead and do it. Fire away. Green light. Let's get it. And they're just like, well, this is all we got. I feel like, also, Halo Reach, in a way, is kind of like what they wanted ODST to be. You know, the team being a squad you know, um, going into battles together from the start, this big conflict, and in this game, ODST, you know, they have, they're kind of like, you know, grasping the team elements, the story isn't that grand, it's kind of like these, 
you know, hit and run missions. They don't really convey giant a giant battle, in my opinion, or a huge war too well. Um, but it is, you know, it's all right. It's just like I feel like ODST was just okay. Like it wasn't really needed, and that Reach kind of like does everything that ODST should have done, but better in a way in like the story perspective in um the team perspective the character perspective like it was just better in my opinion i feel like they actually you know were able to execute their plans and their vision better in halo reach than let's say halo odst which kind of felt like they just kind of put it all together just to you know put out another game that their you know their studio their studio said we need a game now we need a game another game in the halo universe put some shit out they're like what do we got we got nothing like how about an expansion to halo 3 i'm pretty sure that was was halo 3 odst like a expansion dlc was was it ever that or was it just like its own separate game i don't know maybe that was like what people were saying at gamestop before it came out that it was just a dlc and i'm like wait a minute but it's a actual game like it's right here it's in the palm of my hand this is a disc yeah i i wonder if i still have the disc because i remember buying the disc and putting it on there and i think it just changed up the menu in my halo 3 i can't remember that's what it was i really hope i did not sell my sell it back to gamestop though that made me very very sad because i remember like I remember having that disc, or maybe, or did it come with like two discs? I think it might have came with like two discs, with it with the story and then the multiplayer. I don't know. I can't remember. But you know, as much as I don't really care about the ODST stories, ODSTs themselves, or the ODST campaign, um, the best part that OD that Halo ODST offered was the firefight, the wave-based survival. You know. Um, Almost like an almost like a zombies, not really zombies, but like just like a wave survival in the Halo universe. That was so cool, you know. That was uh, what was really cool about that game, where you know it was it was also being you know put out there for the first time when this game came out, and people were like, "Is this gonna be any good? Were people gonna like this?" It was actually pretty lit. I have to say, it was a, it's a it was a pretty good attempt, and they never really went back to that type of you know, that type of firefight after Halo Reach. Four, five, even infinite doesn't really have the same the same core type of firefight. They're gonna bring it back in Halo Infinite, I'm pretty sure. But at the moment it's not in there yet. But that for me was one of the better the biggest highlights of ODST. And the one the one of the bigger things that was I think most fun and most important was the firefight in ODST. That was sick. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, as we wind down football season, as we have just wound down week 17, about to be week 18, the final week of the regular season of the NFL season, we have also concluded fantasy football. The 2023 Fantasy football season is complete. It is over. It's finished. And I can report to you that 
I did not win the championship. Nope, I did not. I finished second place in my league, which is still pretty good. Still very good. Last year, I finished ninth in my league. This year, second place. So, massive improvement. We've gotten a lot better, played better, gotten better players, performed better, got hot at the right time, I would say. But we couldn't finish in the end. And it was sad watching. It was sad because I started off okay. I had Cleveland defense who got me decent amount of points. Then I saw Lamar Jackson's incredible performance against Miami. And that was incredible. Nearly 50 points for that guy. And then and then everybody else played. And then didn't do much. Did not do much whatsoever. David Montgomery didn't do shit. James Cook did nothing. Uh, my receivers all shit the bed. Uh, Michael Pittman, nothing. T. Higgins, nothing. Uh, Calvin Ridley, almost nothing. Um, kicker, nothing. It, it, you know, I I normally get very, very sad when I lose in fantasy football because I'm a competitor and I want to win fantasy football games. That's why I compete. That's why I play fantasy football, right? That's why everybody who plays fantasy football plays fantasy football because you want to win. Now, of course, there are probably some people that are just in because their friend's league needed somebody else, needed needed a 10th player or something like that, right? But me, I, I want to win. I want to win games. I'm a competitive person. So this week, this past week, I had the opportunity to win the league. I went into the in the into the playoffs being 7 and 7, right? I barely got in. I should not have been in the playoffs. There was teams that were better than me. So much better, right? I just happened to get in at 7 and 7 because our our league wasn't that great, right? But I made it in the in the in the playoffs and I got I went on this massive this great run. I could not believe. I beat the number 1 seed in our league. I couldn't believe it. I beat them handedly. I was so happy. I, I was I was I was almost tearing up. I was almost sad. I was crying of how good that felt. And then for me to be in the position to beat the the and win first place. I mean, I have never been that close in my entire life. I've never even played in the championship game for any fantasy league that I've ever been in. And I've been in fantasy for about 12 years. Maybe even more. Like, it, it was... Oh, man. I, I mean, you don't get those opportunities very often. And, Jesus, the run that I had been on in the playoffs was... It was incredible. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I had not felt that good about anything fantasy in a long, long time. Most of the times I play fantasy football, I lose and I am a big loser. And I know that... I've said it before... A lot of fantasy football is luck, but when the luck pushes you all the way to the finals, all the way to the first place game, you almost kind of think to yourself, like, no, I'm not lucky, I'm just good. Like, I benched players, and I started players at the right times, at the right moments, I made the the, the correct decisions, I picked up the right players, 
and I started the right people. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know what? I'm just, I'm a fantasy football genius. Like, there is no one going to stop me. Like, I was thinking to myself, like, this is, this is pretty much destiny right here. Like, like me going up against the commissioner for the first place um, championship game. Like, this is destiny. My brothers are in the in the fantasy football league, and they were rooting for me. Like, they, of course, like, regular season, they don't give a shit about me, but the fact that I was in the championship game, I was like, getting like, yo, you better win. You gotta win. You need to win. I'm like, oh my god, this is incredible. I never feel that when we compete, you know? They're always, we're always trying to beat each other. But, dude, I had, I have, like I said, I never been this close in my life to winning a fantasy football league being seven and seven coming up short about 20 points short if my if my players actually performed like if they actually played well I think I would have won I really really do like if my receivers if if any of them even played like if that any of them even played any better than than what they had given me, I'm pretty sure I would have won. Like, <laughs> there's just no other way of me saying it. Like, I I lost 146.96 to 129.44, right? If, if T. Higgins, who only got me three points, if James Cook played better, who only got me 5.5 or if Ev McPherson, I know he's a kicker, got more than five points. If Calvin Ridley got more than eight point two points, like I would have been probably a winner. I don't know how much more, but I probably would have won. Like my guys just did not play well in that in 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 the in this game. Now that I think about it, now that I look at it. Uh, I had Justice Hill on my bench. He got twenty six point, uh, twenty six point seventy two points. If I had put him in over, uh, if I put him in over, uh, let me see, over James Cook, I think I would have won. Let me see. Let me do quick math here. So I had 129.44, right? Yeah. Let me just do some quick math here. Um, this is actually not good. Uh, minus, what did he have? James Cook had 5.50. 5.50 equals 123.94. So if I had 123.94 and I added what Justice Hill got, which is 26.72, I would have had 150.66, and my opponent had 146.96. So really, I mean, it just comes down to how <laughs> your your decisions and your decision-making, and mine was just not there. Mine was just not there. So um, I'm kind of mad about that, you know, now that I, 
when I lose fantasy football, I don't look at the stats of the previous game because I'm so angry. I just move on to the next week. But now that it is over, if I saw, if I actually just, if I saw uh, my, if I looked at it after, I would have been kicking myself because <laughs> I can't believe it. If I just started Justice Hill over James Cook, I would have won. I can't believe it. I can't believe it at all. Oh, man. I just got to say, you know, the inconsistencies overall this entire season in the NFL, when it comes to position players that are skill position, right? Like uh, James Cook, um, Calvin Ridley, um, Lamar Jackson, even him, who who I've who I've been riding throughout the playoffs in fantasy football, the inconsistencies of these position players is pretty baffling. Like I don't think I've seen a season of the NFL football, and I've watched a lot of seasons where there has been this much inconsistency, inconsistencies of position players, running backs receivers, uh, quarterbacks, tight ends. I mean, just look at, like, Travis Kelsey. Right, Travis Kelsey has been the best tight end in the, in the league, and he's been the worst tight end in the league. Like, he's been, like, the best and the worst in the same season. James Cook had, like, an incredible game two weeks ago, and then the weeks after that doesn't touch the ball, and the weeks prior to the, his good game, he doesn't touch the ball. It's unbelievable. We got receivers like George Pickens, who, by the way, on, I think it was like two weeks ago, my opponent did not start George Pickens because Mason Rudolph was starting at quarterback. I think everybody would have done the same thing and probably benched George Pickens. I'm pretty sure that week, George Pickens had like close to 40 points in fantasy. Like, it's almost, it's almost disrespectful on how like how inconsistent these players can be and so often like it, like they're not consistent with their play but they're inconsistent at being but they're consistent at being inconsistent like it happens far too often where we get these stretches where players are just like not good for some reason and you know what is it though i mean we're about to wrap up the NFL season we're about to wrap up, and I think that we're at the point now where we could rate and review a lot of teams and a lot of players that um, that are about to wrap up. A lot of players are also probably not going to be playing um, in, uh, in, in Week 18 just because they've already secured their spots. But if we're to look at what has happened so far in the NFL season 2023, the regular season, and we and we examine what we what has transpired in terms of of of, uh, of players and teams and who's surprised who. Up to this point, I think we can say the best team is Baltimore, hundred percent for sure. I mean, like beat the Niners, beat the Dolphins. Uh, I'm pretty sure they beat. Uh, no, who they played that was. Uh, really good. I can't remember, but the, they beat those two teams, right? Two really, really, really good teams. Pretty handedly, too. 
Um, Lamar Jackson, to me, as inconsistent as, as he has been, the MVP is pretty much a recency award. If you do good at the end of the season, you're probably going to be nominated for the MVP. And at the moment, I think that Lamar Jackson has, you know, been playing his best football in the past two weeks. So he's probably going to be nominated, if not win, MVP. And you can just tell because if you go on X, if you go on social media, there are so many pundits and analysts and people raving about how um, good Lamar Jackson has been in the past like three games. Yeah, but he's also been very, very inconsistent throughout this entire season. Um, he's had like a pretty good month, but up until then, it was it was up and down. It wasn't really MVP caliber, right? As much as I hate to admit it, the person that was also on more of a consistent play was probably Dak Prescott. Like he had a couple rough pat- rough patches. A couple of rough games, but I think overall, like he's been playing much more consistent than Lamar Jackson has. If, if you're being, if you got, I mean, you got to be honest here. We got to look at what what has transpired. He has been playing at a much more consistent rate than Lamar Jackson this season, and now I think he's pretty much not even in the conversation for um, MVP, right? It's pretty much all Lamar Jackson right now. At a mo- at a moment, it was Tyreek Hill, which I agree too. I mean, he, he I think he had like a an incredible first like thirteen games, and then he got hurt, and then he wasn't you know in as many games, and that kind of shake shakes up his his uh, MVP ballot. But he still was pretty damn good. Um, but I but I just think that uh you know. It, the whole award of MB, MVP is so recency biased that people were just chanting and screaming that, oh, Lamar's it, Lamar's it. You got to remember, man, he did not have a very great, you know, middle of his season. It was very, very inconsistent. I, I mean, but, you know, it's just a recency award. It's a recency bias. It's how it's always been. And it's always going to be a quarterback on a winning team, it, it's just like, you can read, like, what it's going to be, what they're going to be voting for, and right now, it's going to be Lamar Jackson, I'm pretty sure, who, who else, uh, what teams were, uh, I guess, you know, you know, surprises, the Cleveland Browns, obviously, the Browns have been pretty surprising this year, uh, you know, having essentially four quarterbacks, you know, throughout this entire um, run, starting with uh, Deshaun Watson, P.J. Walker, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and then uh, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco pretty much playing so well that it's almost like, you know, he's got one more in him, one more, one last ride, even though he might play again next year. Um, he's been playing pretty well. It's It's been quite the story, you know, of... Uh, um, of this season, we had the uh, Tommy DeVito saga. We had uh, which came to an abrupt halt when Tyrod Taylor came back, and then we had the 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 year of the backup quarterback. You know, we had like uh, so many from Josh Dobbs to uh, Jaron Hall to Tommy DeVito to um, 
Mitchell Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, Jaron Hall, uh, Jake Browning, so on and so on. Um, Easton Stick, Tyson Bagent. I mean, this has been the year of the backup quarterback, and I think we can safely say that also the backup quarterback needs some work because there ain't really much of a threat if you don't have a true starting quarterback in the NFL. So maybe, just maybe, we'll focus on in the years to come in the NFL, focusing on the development of backup quarterbacks and how much, how important they are um, in, in an, for an NFL roster. Um, it was not really the year of the running back. There wasn't a whole lot of very incredible running back play. Christian McCaffrey, I think, is the leading rusher, and I think the most touchdowns as well. And after that's a pretty steep, it's a pretty big gap. Um, so the running back position, you know, people were on the bubble about it at the beginning of the season. Is it is it overpaid? Is it not really a uh, something that we can you know continue to pay this much money? I think because of how bad the quarterback play has been this past year, it does kind of, you know, open a conversation like, hey, you know, just because the quarterback is paid well doesn't mean he's going to be, you know, be able to play all these games. I mean, there was a lot of quarterbacks injured this year. And you can tell, like, the scoring of the of this year has been down compared to previous years. And it's because he relies so much on the quarterbacks. Well, maybe, just maybe, the running back isn't dead yet. The running back is still a very, very crucial part of football. Like, we still need them. You know, just because you have all these big, awesome wide receivers and a good quarterback doesn't mean that you don't need a running back. You certainly do need a running back. Um, so I think that 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 the that running backs for this year, after the year, are still safe. There's no dialogue from me for anybody out there saying, like, get rid of the running back. We don't need the running back. Bullshit. That's totally not a point. That's not a narrative. That's not a uh, um, an idea, I think. I think that that's been squashed after this year with being so many back backup quarterbacks having to play and getting exposed, essentially, to how poor the backup quarterback position is. If anything needs to be beefed up, it is the backup quarterback. Like we, there, there are so many teams that that went through so many different quarterbacks because they just got injured so much, and the lack of backup quarterback development is showing very, very, very much so in the NFL. But yeah, um, those are some pretty you know big points, big things that I saw throughout this NFL season. I know it's not over yet, but you know it's pretty much over. Um, so I probably add some more thoughts next week, but until then, that's going to be it for me today. People, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Remember, you can find this podcast on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube at intelligent moron with Alex Silva. Every new episodes drop every Thursday morning. Make sure to like subscribe, rate review, and do all that good stuff. And yeah, thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. And I will see you guys next week.